Maren Morris. She has a song titled, The Church, and uh, here are the lyrics. I've cussed on a Sunday, I've cheated and I've lied, I've fallen down from grace a few too many times, but I found holy redemption when I put this car in drive, roll the windows down, turn up the dial, can I get a hallelujah, can I get an amen? Feels like the Holy Ghost running through you when I play the highway FM. I find my soul revival singing every single verse. Yeah, I guess that's my church. When Hank brings the sermon and Cash leads the choir, it gets my cold heart burning, hotter than a ring of fire. When this wonderful world gets heavy, I need to find my escape. I just keep the wheels rolling, radio scrolling, till my sins wash away. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get an amen? Feels like the Holy Ghost running through you when I play the Highway FM. I find my soul revival singing every single verse, yeah, I guess that's my church. Well, I suppose that there are some that would be offended that uh, this lady is comparing listening to an FM radio with a church. I take it rather as a compliment. She realizes that a church, maybe, is something that we can expect these kinds of favorable outcomes. But a church is a place to find out, I think, much more than what a radio can give us. It's a place to find out where and how our sins can be forgiven. And if riding in a car, listening to a radio, does that better than a church, then the problem is not with the radio. I think even an entertainer has a sense that a church is to provide something otherworldly. Right? Uh, managing expectations of a church is part of the job description, I think, for any church leader. What 30 years of pastoring has done is helped me to have a much greater clarity as to what all of that means. I was sharing with a friend this week that when I think of highlights of CCC, I don't think of events normally. I don't think of, you know, how many people attended this service or, or that program or whatever. Rather, what I think of are individual people. And significant moments in their lives as God moved in them. And I think what we celebrate says something about who we are. It says something about what we value. Would you agree with that? What we celebrate says something about what we value and who we are. I don't think church is a continual string of spiritual events that we have to prop up to keep the machinery going. You know, I don't see myself as a monkey grinder to kind of keep the show going, right? I think it's a relational organism first and foremost, how we foster those relationships, uh, having a healthy relationship platform over programs, over events, over even spiritual activities, I think is what church is about. I mean, really, what good does it do to lead a ministry, have a bunch of people show up, and your marriage sucks? Right? I mean, relationships matter. If your family relationships are in tatters and you're leading a ministry, you have to remember that is your ministry first, right? 
And I think as I view ministry for our church, I would like to think that whatever ministry we do rises out of genuine community in family and church. And how we manage those relationships is as much a part of ministry as teaching or preaching or whatever. Uh, We've been taking uh, some time to look at Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And you see strands of this truth regarding relationships and worship woven together in a tapestry that makes up, I think, a, a beautiful church canvas. And it says here, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And the Lord added to their number, excuse me, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, look at some of these terms and phrases. Fellowship, all were together, had all things in common, sacrificing as any had need, breaking bread together in homes, having favor with all of the people, speaking of of even how the outside world viewed the church. This means that the relationships were valued, were authentic, and had impact. You know, the, the petty issues that often haunt us and the hurts that normally separate us, when, when a church body is healthy, those things have to be set aside for the health of the relationships. Not every fight is worth winning because the relationships matter. It's more important to work through the issues rather than having our way or instead of fleeing. I've never seen maturity be a byproduct of running away from the issues. But it's in the midst of working out those issues in the midst of the relationship. That's where maturity comes. Being a Christian for 20 years does not make one mature. Being faithful to relationships, be it family or in a fellowship, over time, strengthening the bonds of family and community, working through the issues, that's what builds maturity. When I think of what goes on here at CCC, at the top of my list are many faces. Now, they're going to remain nameless for now, but in my heart and in my mind, I can see them clearly. And and, and this is what I think of when I think of of God working, of things to celebrate. Uh, When I see a cancer survivor singing to a congregation a song of praise. She has to lean on me just to stand up, but her heart is full of praise. Wow. That's something to celebrate. Uh, I see a person torn by, by physical abuse, but is now confident of a God who loves them. That's amazing. 
That's supernatural. That's God transforming. When I see a person all too familiar with religious legalism, and now they're enjoying God's grace with freedom, that's pretty cool. I see a marriage in tatters, but it's now finally kind of creeping out of the cavern to enjoy touches of of affection and love. That's worth celebrating. When I see two people wanting to get married, and for the first time they, they come to terms with the gospel and both come to Christ before they're married and they now are married as new believers in Christ. That's worth celebrating. When I see a man spiritually slumbering through life, thinking he can just check out on God and the church, but now he's taking initiative. He's standing up straight, spiritually speaking, like a man should. That's worth celebrating. When I see a person who's lived as an alcoholic come to Christ and has not been drunk since. That's cool to see. When I see a man who left his wife and children behind years ago, but has embarked on a long road of recovering relationship with his family and now is enjoying the fruit. That's worth celebrating. When I see a man who's been in bondage to porn, but's been set free through a series of a thousand little decisions to honor his wife and his God. That is something really cool to see. When I see a couple living together, not married, and they come to grips with their sin and decide to remain apart until they get married, wanting to honor God, And now they're enjoying a healthy relationship as a family. When I see a couple who were in the pits of despair after suffering through an adulterous relationship, and now they're witnessing God putting that marriage back together, and it's better than it was before. That's something worth celebrating. When I see a man in prison for shameful crimes, but he's been bought delivered, redeemed, transformed into a dear brother in Christ. Only God can do that. I see a family lose a child, and yet they see God as good and and sovereign. So when I think of how God has worked, I see your faces. That's what I see. We also celebrate our life groups that share stories of how God has intervened. This is where I think the action is in terms of fellowship and ministry on a, on a personal level. Now, there are other things that God did in 2016. And as we look forward to this next year, I can't help but just be so enormously grateful for what God has done. And I, I'm grateful for our elders, our staff uh, that provide leadership for our body. And they deserve a huge amount of appreciation and thanks uh, from from all of you. Be sure to do that. I'm grateful for, just like 
Evan, just numerous people throughout the year going on mission trips. And we sent off our own, the McVickers, to, to West Africa to minister there for the next couple years. That's cool to see. I'm grateful for a church that allows me to be involved in different ministries in the city, that allows me to teach on campus, to extend the ministry of this church. I know another pastor in town who he wanted to teach, and his church said, no, you know, we want you for ourselves. <laughs> I don't get that. Uh, but what I see is great fruit that comes from uh, being involved on, on campus. But this church allows me great freedom, and I, I'm so appreciative of that. It allows me to be involved as the church lead for the uh, last Convoy of Hope event here at, uh, in, in Springfield on May 7th. Over 10,000 people came. Eight, we had 8,000, we called them guests of honor, 2,000 volunteers to work with the churches. We had over 100 churches from this area involved. It was what Convoy said, it was the largest number of churches that they've ever had in any event that they've done in the country. That was cool to see God do that. And as people came to Christ, we celebrate that. As people were fed and ministered to in, in various ways. We witnessed this year the city of Springfield inviting churches in our area to partner with them to help address issues in our community. The city manager came and addressed our congregation, Greg Burris, and explained the issues that our city is facing. And in addition, a couple of our staff members went through a, a poverty simulation to better understand the plight that many people live under. And I'm looking forward to this continued relationship with the city and seeing how, how God moves in the midst of committed servant leaders. I mean, think of this. I've never seen it happen in all my years of the ministry of, of the city asking the churches to help. It's an amazing thing. And that has come about, I believe, because of relationships that have, that have been fostered over the years that, hey, we're not trying to twist your arm for some political agenda. How can we help saying that to, to the city? And CCC is committed to partnering with a ministry in the inner city of Springfield. We'll talk more about that um, in the weeks to come. But it's in one of the worst parts of the city to provide whatever support we can for them um, in these next uh, months ahead. We're also involved in our third unity project where black and white churches came together to enjoy the unity that we have in Christ. And thousands came together and in a very unique event, this one was different, we had the Springfield chief of police and other policemen, along with some deputies from Greene County, come together to be prayed over by black leaders in our city. It was a powerful demonstration. And just exactly what needs to happen as you see these policemen with tears coming down their cheeks was very meaningful. Uh, that was cool to see God do that. We had a Joe White here from Canica conduct a men's conference, and, and many men were greatly challenged and encouraged to uh, bring their issues to the cross. In addition, we had a month-long emphasis upon prayer and a 24-hour 
uh, prayer focus, daily devotionals, morning prayer gatherings at the church. It was so cool to hear the stories of, of what God did in, in your individual lives and in our church as a result of that. And I'm also very grateful for the relationship that we've begun with Children's Hope Chest. It's the organization that we're partnering with as we minister in Guatemala. We took our first trip this year and planned to go twice in 2017. And the relationships we are building with what we call the Bethlehem Care Point, that's the name for the, the home that we go to where hundreds of kids are ministered to in the area. We have a relationship there that we started that we want to have long-term. We want to send our people there to help them do whatever we can to minister to the people there. The needs are just beyond what you can imagine. We had homes that were visited, women that were, that were ministered to with, with manicures. You might not think that was any big deal, but these are women that are beat down. You just see their countenance, and uh, they are not valued in that culture, at least in that community that we were in. It was a, a Mayan community, and the, the poverty is just extreme, and here they were being valued. It was really cool to see. Uh, the children were loved on. A VBS was conducted. Physical improvements were made to the property, and it's just a start. And then we chose this past Advent season, six weeks before Christmas, to make uh, the Bethlehem Care Point uh, our Advent project. And what it is is we ask you to consider putting a little money aside of what you normally would spend on Christmas and to consider helping us do two things for our Bethlehem Care Point. One was to provide some educational supplies to upgrade the rooms to help them as they try to educate the kids and also to purchase a vehicle. All told, we were trying to raise over $11,000. It was actually $11,850 for this classroom furniture, equipment, and a vehicle. And I had some people say, man, that's just an awful lot of money to ask people to give for during that six weeks. Well, as of yesterday, as of yesterday, and I know this doesn't include the final total, $15,532. Absolutely amazing. There are hundreds. By the way, I'm, you guys must have some awesome Christmases if that's just, you know, <laughs> part of your Christmas. Seriously, I mean, like, wow. <laughs> I am, I, my heart just wants to leap for joy at the generosity that God has, has worked in you as a result of that. But hundreds of Guatemalan children are going to reap the benefit of your generosity. You might ask, what's going to be done with that extra money? Well, they have other projects that they're wanting to do, and uh, we, we might give it to one while well, we will. We we'll just don't know which one yet, but we'll be in contact with them and see what, where we can put the rest of that money. Now, I mentioned the value of relationships earlier, and this is really what our mission statement at CCC is all about. I mean, what has been accomplished in 2016 is really an overflow of what we as a church try to accomplish, that we're a Christ-dependent community equipping others to impact their world. And what I see our mission statement doing is giving critical definition to relationships that we're to have. Uh, our relationship with the church, or excuse me, with Christ, is defined as dependence, a Christ 
dependent community. We seek to foster a community where our faith is in Christ, where we are dependent upon him for our very life, for our security, for our significance. My significance is not in the kind of car I drive, the kind of house I live in, but who I am hooked up with in eternity, that God loves me. And everything we do is to be done, not in the strength of human ingenuity, but in the supernatural power of Christ, his life being lived out through us. Our relationship with one another is defined as an equipping community in our mission statement. We reap the benefit of healthy spiritual and emotional lives that make up a healthy community. We leverage our relationships to to model, to mentor, to release others in using their gifts. And our relationship with the world is defined as impact. As a healthy community, we, we become the springboard to impact neighbors, schools, workmates, um, our immediate community, and the world beyond. We do this through our grace and love. And in, in these relationships, then, the gospel is given context. See, love and grace aren't just concepts, but lived out in the midst of community with a variety of people. So we're people transformed by the gospel, sharing how our lives and our community have been changed by the grace of God. It's all about relationships. We, we all have a story to tell how God has moved in our lives. What's going to be the story for 2017? Uh, we have plans for continuing our outreach and deepening our relationships with Guatemala. And uh, we... We want to continue to shore up and be more effective as a, as a church. As you know, we've hired a consulting company to come and work with our, our staff and our elders to help to know how we as a, as a, as a church can be more effective. Uh, we want to continue with our, with our life groups to, to multiply. Relationship. I was listening to a friend share about a conversation he had with another friend of his that goes to another church. And he was sharing about how at CCC, you know, we pray together. We often do in the services. We might get in small groups, and we certainly pray all the time in our, in our life groups. And, uh, and this other person said, oh, we could never do that in our church because people would just gossip about you. And it couldn't, couldn't have the, 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 the culture to where you could pray for one another. And it, it just calls me to go, really? But I think there's so many things we take for granted about the community we enjoy or the, or the families that we enjoy. We take that for granted. It's not something that everybody gets to experience. It's relational health. We cannot take that for granted. I'm reminded of it when I talk to others who don't experience authentic community, grace demonstrated with others. And then we have the word of God given, given prominence in our church over political causes, over personal preferences. These are the things that mark Christ's community church when we want to see continue. Whatever growth God provides to CCC let it be done as a Christ-dependent community 
equipping others to impact the world. Let it be done in the context of, of healthy relationships. What we really want is we want a a church that operates out of a a, a spiritual overflow because of what God is doing in our own lives and and in our community. Hey, I'm glad Maren Morris can find some happiness in listening to her FM radio on her car, all right? But what the church is at its essence is far more. I mean, what other entity can, can yoke hearts in deep fellowship? Offer a community hope through service and the gospel. Offer healing for what truly ails our hearts. Pave the way for forgiveness of sin within the context of of long-term relationships. What other entity can do that? Say, well, how can I help? Well, all of us have a part to play. Uh, All of us have a way to use our gifts, contributing all we can, any time we can. I certainly envision greater impact for our community, greater outreach in Guatemala, increased emphasis in, in multiplying our life groups. So what can you do? Well, there are tangible, practical ways, and I just want to throw it out to you. Number one, if you're not in a life group, find one. Open your heart up to the possibilities of living in authentic fellowship. And if I can be so bold, fathers, you have to lead the way. Lead the way. Quit making so many friggin' excuses. And lead the way to be the spiritual leader in your family. You make happen what is important to you. And until you prioritize the spiritual life of your family, then nothing but excuses are going to come. So lead the way. Next, make the feeding of your soul a priority daily. Create a rhythm to your day so that prayer and listening to the word of God add to your spiritual fitness. Find a place to serve well with all your hearts. You're not going to stay in shape by never working out and making zero commitment, right? And that's also true in our spiritual life. So serve and give. This is what flexes our our spiritual muscles. And without it, we get spiritually obese. You can pile up all kinds of earthly pleasures and entertainments and, and, and riches and all this, but be a pauper in eternity because you never made service in the kingdom of God a priority. Let me challenge you. Consider a trip to Guatemala. That'll rattle your cage. That'll give you some appreciation. You'll see a difference then. Can you believe God to be big enough to do something huge like that in your life? And then commit to living a gospel centered life by daily acknowledging your need of grace, by subjugating every personal preference to the gospel. And in doing so, not allowing petty differences to divide relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, 
but realize the reason I am here on earth has to do with the gospel and living that out. I don't know how we can just fight like we do within the body of Christ when we live in light of the gospel because what it does, it humbles me daily to realize I do not earn or deserve any of this. And then I can walk right around and start making demands that everybody fall in line with my personal preference. Shame on me and shame on anybody else who does the same. And it's an arrogance that comes to our lives instead of realizing we are beholden to God for our very lives. And the gospel is what makes this relationship possible. It sets in motion why I'm alive, what we're here to do, my mission. I uh, had lunch with, who's now become a, a good friend. I met him at the Convoy of Hope outreach, and he's looking to be a missionary. He was in the Marines. He was in Iraq. They told a story of a guy that was, they ran him down, and he had his gun right in the guy's face. The guy's on his back, screaming all kinds of stuff at this guy, this Iraqi. And he said, I hated the Iraqis. He comes back home. He and his wife, are at a meeting, and they hear this guy speaking, and he says, you know, there are a lot of you here that will give your life for your country, and that's something worth praising, but how many of you are willing to give your life for the gospel? And he said, it was like God just shot an arrow in my heart. He said, my wife and I looked at each other, We didn't even have to say the words, and we knew what it meant. We were going. They are on their way to Jordan. He's going to serve two years there, and guess where he wants to end up? In Iraq, sharing the gospel. Wow. Two small kids. What compels anyone to do such a foolhardy thing, to put your family in danger like that? What are you thinking? That's the gospel. I will give my life for that. That's amazing. Listen, I'm not saying everybody needs to move to Iraq. (laughs) What I am saying is I can devote my life for this endeavor, whatever it means for me personally, whatever it means for me daily, and adjusting my attitude, adjusting the focus of my life, It's great that you teach your kids good stuff on how to work hard. It really is. It's great that you teach them skills. I commend you for that. Have you taught them the most important thing of giving their life for the gospel? Have you modeled that to them? Everything else falls under that. That's what I want for us in 2017. And that's something we can all do. Be a part of a life group. Make feeding of your soul a priority. Serve and give for the kingdom. Commit to a gospel-centered life. Let's pray.